Welcome to Bueller MB. <laughs> so glad to see you all. Before you sit down, why don't you find somebody you haven't talked to and say good morning. time you can. All right, yeah, go ahead and have a seat. All right. Woo! 
Hey, well, once again, welcome to Bueller MB. My name's Kurt, and this is Dustin. We're the pastors here. We want to welcome you to our worship service today. Um, hey, first of all, again, we're a community-minded church, so we just want to give a shout-out. It's kind of the end of the year, Bueller sports and stuff. Let's see. So, uh, I guess track is all done, and Tanner did it again, fourth or fifth, third, fourth, whatever, perfect. Yeah, right, absolutely. Uh, other, others we know of, um, Rachel Nisley was uh, also at State Track, so that's kind of fun. Bueller Girls Soccer, what? Okay, uh, other Bueller Girls Soccer got second in state, you guys. It was 0-0 at halftime. So that's pretty cool. Abby Utsi is one of our uh, own that's a soccer player, right? Hmm? Yep. So congratulations to all that. Now I guess summer's really here, you guys. So congratulations to all of you students who can celebrate summer. Um, you know, obviously stuff gets a little bit skinny around here, so there's not as much going on. Just keep track in the bulletin and watch the website, or I mean uh, Connections website too, right? Um, but we'll have, we're going to keep having prayer gatherings on Wednesday. And uh, my man Dustin here is getting ready for his busy season you're headed off to junior high camp this week yes so junior high camp starts this week on wednesday so we appreciate your prayers that i know some people have already been praying and so one of the things i do want to mention that if anybody is up for being like a prayer partner for camp we have little bracelets in the back right outside the sanctuary with everybody's name on it that's going to camp so if you want to take somebody and pray for them uh, for during the camp uh, season during these uh, four or five days at camp we would appreciate it so as much prayer as we can get into camp will be good so we'll have the leaders we'll have uh, the students go into camp but if you want to partner with us and, and pray for us while we're at camp we would uh, appreciate it greatly try to remember to remind you at the end of the service to grab those on the way out it's really a cool thing that we do here at our church ever since I've been here it's cool to see you can get a bracelet and remember to pray for some of the campers just want to keep remind you the US conference is coming up in July if you'd like to be a part of that check it out online and remember we can have some delegates so we are Bueller MB here's what we're about um, we've been talking about this for a while now um, this is our mission and vision and we've talked about wanting to be a church that you know, shares together, uh, not just about the mission and vision exactly, but um, uh, it's time to level up on this. And you're like, in the, really, at the beginning of summer? Yes. So what we're hoping to do is just be able to have a chance, and I want to make this as clear as I can if some of you over the last many weeks, many, many weeks are like, well, what are we really after here? So I'll tell you again. We feel like, as we've talked about this in leadership with the elders, we feel like the, a church of about our size you can guess whatever our size is, okay? But a church of about our size is an opportunity for us to share together stuff when we see God working. What did, what did we used to call them before Kurt came? Spotlights. Spotlights. So impromptu spotlights, what we often hear in youth group is also... God, God moments. God moments. And we want to hear those together as a church. So I'm, I'm encouraging us, starting today, we want to level up. And uh, I'm going to confess, I don't have anybody planted today. Because it might have been your things like, I got two people, one here and one here. They're going to, you know. Let me remind you of some things that we've done. That we've heard of people working in their neighborhood, in their communities, when they're working with relationships. We've seen, we've had people in our church shout out to other people in our church when they've done really great things for each other. Stuff like that. How is God working in your life? 
what have you seen God do and how also when we can how are we living out the mission and the vision okay so I want everybody to take a breath and I'm gonna take the mic around a little bit today and see if we can oh hey Van's right on it I was gonna talk about you later but if you're gonna go now I'm gonna go with it <laughs> hi hi I'm gonna turn around here yep okay is Paula Isley here Paula Eichstey, are you here? No, it's no. Memorial Day weekend, shucks. Judy Utzi? No, it's Memorial Day weekend, shucks. <laughs> well, they're not gonna hear all this then. Uh, Judy Bands, I'm pretty sure you're here. I saw Galen anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Judy's not here either. She must not be feeling well. Okay, Galen, the fans you, here, so. Galen, you'll have to take this home to Judy then. And Jan Pancritz. Oh, that's right. Those four ladies, for the last six months, have given their all to me, taken me to and from my chemo treatments. But the thing that was, just blew me away is this Wednesday was my final, and uh, these ladies all had busy weekends coming up as you can tell by the fact that they're not here. <laughs> but when I was in the infusion room getting my final chemo, the two Judys and Paula slipped into the room with a rose or a couple of roses for me and wished me very, wished me well on my final, final chemo. And I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, they, Judy had to go to the airport to get her sisters, and I know uh, Paula was, had stuff going on, and, and, and Judy, you'd see, had stuff going on. But they took extra time and drove all the way over to Wichita just to give me some extra love on my final chemo. But that wasn't the end of it. Jan Pancritz, who drove me over, her and my daughter and some other people hid in the, in the room where the bell was. And when I went in with the nurses to ring the bell, there they all were with flowers. I got a rose for every, every chemo treatment. And uh, they just made me feel so loved. And these ladies have not asked for anything in return for taking four and five hours out of their day, but sometimes it was more like six hours, just to get me to my treatments and back. I felt, I've never felt so loved in my life, and, and I just want you to know we've got some wonderful people in this church. Absolutely, yep. Okay, wait, you're all tempted to clap. Remember, Control Freak gets to tell you when to clap. <laughs> okay, so I was gonna talk about you later, but this is great. So Van, you have completed your chemo treatments now. Yes, absolutely. Okay, go ahead and clap. And, and I wanna make sure we cover this again just real quick. So Jan Pankratz, Judy Utsi, Judy Bands, Paula Eichstey were the ones that often ended up taking you and did. So that's, you guys, that's church in action. That's community, right? Everybody say amen, amen. right? Okay, I won't do that very much, but come on. Van, we are so thankful for you. And, and uh, 
without getting super invasive because you know it's what I do uh, optimistic look out, out outlook yes after key okay awesome we're so yep awesome God is good all the time yep okay that's what we want to hear so I'm, un I'm interested in another story or two today. And again, we're leveling up. I've been trying to psych you up for this day. We're going to make sure we, as often as we can, have time for stuff like this. Oh, I love people in the front, so most of you can see them. Um, okay, so this is a little bit of a small thing, but it was just really great to see how the Lord can truly provide what it is that you need. And I think it was either last Saturday or Sunday I had gone out to lunch, and the day before, I had like put an extra like $5 bill on my wallet, like just in case, just for like some extra pocket change, and I didn't end up needing it. So it was kind of just like hanging out in my wallet, and when I had gone to lunch that day, um, there was an old, like old frail woman who had walked up to me, and I think she was homeless, and at least she was struggling, but it didn't look like she could speak English, so she handed me like this note and it said something about getting something for her kids and she just needed like five extra dollars. And I was like, oh no, I've never keep cash in my wallet. And what do you know, that $5 bill was still in there and it was just really awesome to see God provide in that way. Because normally Absolutely. I wouldn't keep it in my pocket. Absolutely. That was Caitlin, by the way. She plays guitar up front a lot of days. Thank you for sharing, that's awesome. That was really cool. I would take one more. I would take more than one more if you wanted. No, no, we're streaming. <laughs> you need this. One very similar to hers. This week we saw we somehow got an extra sandwich for ourselves, right? What what what, what was that? Two we, for one. A two, oh, a two for one. Yeah, I use these two for one coupons all the time, actually. And uh, so we happened to get the two for one, and we didn't read, need the other one all that badly. I put the extra one in the refrigerator in situations like that. She thinks I'm cheap. <laughs> but anyway, so we had a two for one, and then we were driving by, and we saw a guy out, hungry, helpless. What did, what did the sign say? You probably have all seen signs similar to Walmart. By, by Walmart. So I was able to just hand him that sandwich. And that made me feel so good, you know. It helps both people, the giver and the receiver, right. you know. And uh, so uh, I purposed in my mind, you know, I ought to keep something... Uh, in the car, you know, like a, one of these protein drinks or something, you know, that uh, doesn't spoil, you know. Uh, I haven't told you about that, but that's what I <laughs> plan to do. <laughs> and then just keep it as a spare, handy thing just to show the needy people that we, someone cares. Yep, thank you. That's Jean Crenzen. And Jeanette, we're glad to see you as well, of course. Doing well, are we? Yeah, yeah you're here. 
Yeah, and things move forward. Absolutely. Good job. All right. Okay, so church, that's what it looks like when we get to this time. And so many more things you can share. It's also a time because, candidly, the pastors are frustrated. Okay, not that frustrated. Okay, maybe a little frustrated. When we ask for prayer cards, um, these are in the here. And we don't get them. We just don't. So, okay, we're going to keep asking you about them. But if something comes up and you like, feel like you could share it here, it's an okay place as well. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking with me? We want to share stories like we heard today. If you have something to pray about, we want to pray about that together with you as a church. Again, as we talk about this in leadership, it feels like a good thing for us. A church of our size could really benefit from sharing like this. And hey, I'll just tell you the not-so-hidden agenda. If we share something like this in a big group, then we're hoping that the sharing and the living lives together following Jesus happens a little better in smaller groups. You with me? Okay. Uh, there's a couple more things before we move on today that I didn't want to neglect. Um, uh, similarly, some of you, uh, most of you probably know Sarah McMillan. She's got a husband. What would her husband's name be? What? Keith? Heath. So Sarah has helped Amanda. Where's your wife? In the nursery. Okay. <laughs> has helped Amanda with mops over the, the years and, you know, and all that. Sarah, Sarah and Heath's son, Jack. Jack, who we think is about six. Um, that's right. I said I would ask you for help too on this whole deal. Uh, has been diagnosed with leukemia. Now wait. I know, right? There's optimism around that it could be a treatable kind, and we're going to keep praying for that. But you're right. It's very serious. Six-year-old uh, diagnosed thusly. Keep Sarah and Heath McMillan and their son Jack in your prayers, please. So another, another incident this week in, uh, outside of San Antonio. I didn't want you to think that we were, I don't know, as a staff, as pastor, as whatever leadership, another shooting as horrific as ever, and as tempted as I am to get political, it's not really my thing, violence and broken world so evident in this thing, let's keep praying for our, well, for that situation specifically and for our world as we continue to think about things going on around us. I just didn't want you to think I was um, tone deaf to what's going on around us. Stuff in the Ukraine continues to be fascinating. There's other international things going on. So we're all observing this with our eyes clearly focused on Jesus. Amen? Okay. It's also Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we want to wish you all a good Memorial Day weekend. And the reminder that, you know, uh, Memorial Day has morphed and means different things for different families, but the original intent uh, all the way back to the Civil War, uh, amazing stuff, was to honor and acknowledge uh, military personnel who have given their lives in service in the military. So we just recognize that and want to wish you all also a very happy Memorial Day weekend as you celebrate tomorrow. But uh, we are here for worship today. We're going to focus our attention on the only one who deserves our worship and praise, and that, of course, is Jesus Christ himself. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray today because I'm going to also send Dustin off this week with a little bit of a, a dedication prayer for... Um, Again, he is 
director of junior high camp, if you don't understand that. So he's got a lot to do. So we want to pray for not only our van load of kids going or mm -hmm. bus load, or yeah, yeah. Uh, but also for Dustin and his team as they lead this week. And then we also want to just invite the Spirit of God to be present with us as we worship. Would you stand with me as we pray together, please? Father, this morning we are mindful of all that you are and all that you're doing. In so many ways, God, we acknowledge your presence. Just to hear these stories of your subtle workings and not so subtle workings, we're thankful. God, I pray that we would be a people that are interested in seeing you work and move in every moment of our lives. God, show yourself evident and <laughs> slap us in the face sometimes to remind us of your presence. God, I pray that you would be with uh, the McMillan family, as we've mentioned it. God, go before them. We pray for complete healing for Jack. We trust him into your care. God, we know that our world is as much as ever, maybe more than ever, a broken place. Uh, another school shooting is an indication of that. God, we pray that your spirit would pervade not only their community, but our country and our world, that, God, we would know what it means to live in peace with one another, and that would be only at your uh, behest. So we pray for so many things going on and ask you to work and move. We just pray for peace. God, I'm mindful of the ministry that goes on around us and in our midst. And as our district camps start this week, God, I pray, especially for Dustin, for all the hard work. I've, I've seen the booklets. I've seen his hard work, and I know that he's got has a lot to do. So, God, I pray that as uh, he makes his way to camp this week with all those campers, that first of all, God, you would be with him and his staff and all the ones he's gathered to run this camp. God, we pray for smooth programs, for a lot of fun, but we pray for meaning and relationships between counselors and campers. And, God, we pray that these young junior hires would see Jesus and any that have not turned their lives over to him would do so during this week. So be with us and in every which way. And God, also today, we've gathered here for worship. We're so thankful for all you've done for us in Jesus. I pray that you would be honored and glorified as we lift up the name of Jesus in song and worship this morning. Bless our time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace turn your eyes to the hillside where justice and mercy embrace there the son of god gave his life for us and our Oh, you behold. 
you can have a seat. We're going to sing a new song, and uh, this song is called Spirit of God, and it's one that I can't get away from. And what I mean by that is, um, for a few weeks now, I wake up and it's in my head. Like, I'm not singing in my sleep, I don't think, but uh, I wake up and it's in my head. It's in a playlist that I've made that I like, but I also have heard it several other places that I'm not intentionally choosing the song. And this has happened to me before, and it's likely happened to you before, maybe not with a song, but maybe a scripture, or um, somebody gives you a compliment and somebody else gives you the same kind of compliment, and you're like, I wonder if that's the Spirit of God the fruit that he has given me, and, and they, this is encouragement to me. So whatever that looks like for you. And, and this has happened to me before with other songs, but not necessarily have you all heard them. Um, you know, I don't present every song that I feel like God has laid on my heart to you all. So this one, I keep hearing it, and also I feel like the themes of the song and several lines of the song uh, go right along with Acts, the Spirit of God, obviously, because... Acts, like you can't read Acts and not see the powerful work of the Spirit. Um, but also, uh, chains breaking, that will be in the, <laughs> spoiler alert, that'll be in the passage today a little bit. Um, freedom, um, fear has no power, breakthrough, restoration, these are all themes of the whole Bible, to be fair, but in Acts in particular. So that's why I felt like it made sense to do this song today. And um, it, we'll see what God does with it. I don't know if it will be one that we hear again or sing again more congregationally, but we'll, we'll let him decide that. Um, if you're anything like me, uh, when you hear a new song, I'm ashamed to admit truly uh, that often I go into analyze mode. Um, there, there's a level of that that's good, uh, spiritual songs you should analyze to see if it's true, right? Like we shouldn't sing things that aren't true. But I tend to get into the analyze of, uh, is this true for me? Like, like, you know, the whole, and that's a cultural thing, but it's a Cindy thing too, of um, whether or not something is true for me, that is not uh, a good filter necessarily. And in particular, lines about miracles are hard right now. And you all know why, because um, like myself, we, we prayed for a miracle that didn't happen the way we thought God would do it, right? And some of you, a lot of you know what I'm referencing, but you have your own example of that too. Miracle, it might not be miracles for you, it might be something else that's hard for you to sing because it doesn't feel true to you. And um, so I'm, I will wrestle with that for a while, and I'm, okay, I'm comfortable with wrestling with why God didn't answer yes the way I thought he was going to. But even with the idea of a miracle, having a trouble singing that line, when I pan out and get perspective, and there's a line in the song about give us your perspective, when I pan out and look at my whole story, my whole life, I see lots of miracles. So I know it's true that God performs miracles because he's, he's saved me. That's the first miracle. And I can have hope, and so that's a miracle. And so um, I see this in, a song, in this song, and I, I see this song as a prayer, and often we pray for Pastor Kurt 
in the traditional sense before he comes up, we pray that God would move in him, that he would feel freedom to speak. And so this is going to serve as that. We won't, so it might feel weird when we're done singing because he's going to come up and we're not going to have the traditional prayer. Um, but, and, and then the other part of this is you all are sitting and listening. Um, I would love for you to join us, whether that be in song or just in your heart, in your spirit, to pray this also, that the Spirit of God would pour out on us. That's the whole theme of the song, that the Spirit of God would pour out on us. So you are welcome to remain sitting. I told you to sit as a way of transition. But if you want to stand, I hope you feel freedom to stand and do whatever it is the Spirit is asking you to do. Um, whether that be sing or stand or, or dance, David danced, like nothing is, is out of, out of uh, the realm of what you can do because you should do whatever God is asking you to do. But I hope you'll join us in, in spirit and in song if you'd like while we sing Spirit of God. We pray for revival, we start on our knees. Spirit of God, pour out on us. Whatever it looks like, wherever you lead. Spirit of God, pour out on us. Spirit of God, pour out on us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, chains will be broken. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, miracles come to pass. Spirit of God, pour out on us. the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, chains will be broken. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, miracles come to pass. Spirit of God, pour out on us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, fear has no power. Breakthrough is coming. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, restoration will happen. Spirit of God, pour out on us. Spirit of God, pour out on
appropriate to say we want the spirit of God to pour out on us yes church yeah now I know I know that's like yeah do I sometimes remember when Jesus sort of revealed himself to Peter what did Peter say Lord away from me I'm a sinful man so for us to say spirit of God pour out on us there's a vulnerability and an intimacy right but we want the spirit of God to pour out on us and totally appropriate for what we're talking about in Acts. So thank you for sharing that, Cindy, and worship team with us. All right, here we go. How are we doing, Beej? <laughs> Attaboy. So um, 
back to Acts. Uh, I've been rethinking this a little bit, but I've decided to stay the course and assume that God worked mightily when I first decided this. So we're going to keep grinding on an Acts, and we're still going to be here for a while, all right? Um, maybe not. But it's all right, because we'll figure it out as we go. So uh, uh, let me just remind you where we've been. I just wanted to point to the screen to say we're talking about Acts today. So uh, we had a great time, and I should have acknowledged this earlier. We had a great time at the pond last week, right? That was great. We heard some great testimonies. We were able to baptize three people. We had a great lunch and so um, uh, a week before that, we were in Acts, and we had just seen this really f funky story. It was the story of Ananias and Sapphira. We had just celebrated in the book of Acts how the community was coming together. They were sharing things. People were selling stuff and sharing the money. And then we have this couple who uh, really their heart just was more than not in it. They were deceptive and they tried to fool not only the community, but they tried to fool God. And they paid for it with their lives. Again, I don't know all the reasoning behind that except what we said. As God's church and his new people were being established, he just couldn't have that. He needed to make sure we understand how significant that was. And so we saw that story. The Jesus movement. The Jesus movement, we're going to keep talking about that, is moving forward. The church is being planted. Lots of ruckuses and miracles going on. There we are. And uh, just to remind you where we're at, so we just had uh, that bad story, uh, but then the little passage at the end of our study section a week, two weeks ago said, it was amazing what was going on in their community. We're still in Jerusalem. We're still in Jerusalem. Remember the little roadmap uh, uh, that we're going to see the church, the movement expand from Jerusalem and then to Judea and, Samaria, Judea and Samaria bigger and then to the ends of the earth. Guess what? We're in chapter 5 at the end of it and we're still in Jerusalem. Just want to keep that in front of you. And so, uh, but what we saw after the couple died and that incredible sort of thing was impacting the whole community and by that I mean the church community and the community they were operating in right all over Jerusalem they had uh, stuff was still going on if you remember at the end of that people were like I really like those guys but I'm going to make sure I know what's what before I become a part of them because that couple died right you know, so there was, there was an awe there was a healthy fearful respect for God with the people in that setting. And so that's where we left it. And what's happened was there were miracles happening. People were being healed. And most importantly, people were coming to Jesus. And so their numbers kept going up. And that leads us to the end of chapter 5 then. And we're going to begin in verse 17. And uh, uh, are we, uh, how do we feel? Now we're feeling better? Beach? Yes. So look. I put the whole passage up. How do you feel about that? 
<laughs> kind of hard to see, right? So if you have a Bible in front of you, if you have an app, I'm going to fix it in a minute. But I'm like, I just want to leave it up there while I tell this really great narrative, this story. So here, I'll break it down a little better for you. There you go. Is that a little bit better? So uh, that was all happening. The church is moving. Stuff is happening. It's good stuff. And this section then starting in 17 to the end of chapter 5 then uh, talks about that what was happening was we had really now, as a people, the church had gotten the attention of these Jewish leaders. And uh, Luke says, the high priest himself, the head of the Jewish authorities, these scribes and Pharisees, and mostly Sadducees, we hear a lot about them, these experts in Jewish law, these Jewish authorities, were filled with jealousy. Now, there's a couple of ways to look at this as I understand it. It might have just been they were irritated that this movement was still happening, even though they were trying to thwart it. And, and perhaps they were just irritated, and maybe they were just jealous. Hey, look at all the attention those guys are getting. But there's some indications, and this is terribly ironic, that maybe they were like zealous for Judaism, and that was really getting them upset. Like, they're, we're trying to stay true to Yahweh, you know, our God, and this other movement that they just weren't getting was starting to catch fire. And so they were, uh, they were obviously upset. And it, it, you obviously, the, the irony can't be lost on you as we go through Acts, that these supposedly most godly Jewish men, leaders of the Jews in Jerusalem, we're not catching on to the Jesus Messiah part. So it's fascinating. So they're full of jealousy, whatever that looked like. And it turns out that they then go ahead and they just they bust them. They, they arrested the apostles. So we go from earlier in chapter 4 when Peter and John are arrested, that it looks like more of the apostles, maybe all of them, are actually arrested and thrown into jail. And then this really wonderful story, it's super short in here, but it turns out God had a plan for this. In the middle of the night, uh, they are miraculously released. Chains are broken. And uh, we see, you know, uh, remember my little thing that when, when even a doctrinal position, even a light thing about, uh, in this case, an angel Everybody's like, yeah, it was an angel, yeah, it was an angel, yeah, oh, maybe it wasn't an angel, you know, that whole deal that happens. So I don't know if it was an angel, absolutely or not, but something supernatural happened, and the apostles are released. I mean, you got to think about it. it. It was crazy, because uh, the passage says the guards were, like, still there, and, and uh, their chains and the cell doors came open, and the angel says, come on, come with me, and here's what I want you to do. Um, uh, I want you to go back to the temple and tell people about this new life. Tell people about this new life. Now, this is interesting. We see a little bit of an addition to the gospel here because the gospel is about reconciliation with the God of the universe. It's about repentance and forgiveness of sins, right? And this angel says, hey, don't forget to make sure they understand that God is inviting them into a new life. A life that is rooted 
in forgiveness and reconciliation, but a new life. And so, uh, by verse 21, the, 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 I say disciples, the apostles, it's, it's clearly, uh, I would think, a mixture of that perhaps, but the apostles do what they're told. And it even says, as they were told, they stand in the temple court and they start preaching again and they're gathering crowds. Um, and uh, I, I think Luke can't can't help but be throw a little humor in here because while they're out preaching in the temples the Sanhedrin that Jewish authority uh, board that the that ruling group uh, uh, starts to gather and they're like hey let's um let's go get those guys we arrested and we're gonna give them what for <laughs> not knowing that they're preaching in the temple <laughs> So uh, all of a sudden someone comes and says, hey, um, you know, high priest and fellas, uh, we went and tried to get those Jesus guys and it uh, turns out that they're not there. <laughs> what do you mean they're not there? Well, we talked to the guards and they said they were there all night and we opened the doors and chains are fall on the floor and we, you know, and they're like, oh, what now? What now? Right? And in the meantime, somebody else comes and says, hey, fellas, um, those guys you're looking for, <clears throat> they're in the temple preaching. <laughs> what? <laughs> How'd that happen? You know, so, okay. Uh, so they're, <laughs> they go back and they, uh, they, they send the captain of the guard. Look, go grab those guys again. Take some men with you. Get them back here. Oh, I got to go forward. Sorry, in case you're watching, you can watch the word. And so uh, here's the interesting thing about this. It says in verse 26, they went and arrested him again, but they didn't use force. See, it turns out, as we've seen in Acts, even at the end of our previous uh, the little section in, in, in uh, chapter 5 before this, it, it was maybe a awe and fear, but there was a respect and there was a favor with people that Jesus' followers were getting and having and attaining, whatever that looked like. And so they're like, look, you can't barge in here and arrest these guys with force because that crowd, <laughs> they're going to stone you. <laughs> so look, just coax them to come back, would you? And again, the fascinating thing, the apostles went. They didn't sign a petition. They didn't start a protest. They didn't raise their fist and say, we're not going with you. They went with them. Folks, I, I don't even know what all that means, but it's something for us to think and pray about, yes? Yeah. So they go back with them. And uh, um, the high priest is like, okay, look, I remember you, Peter and John. Okay, I don't know if he addressed them by name or not. We told you to stop teaching in this guy's name, uh, and, and, and he can't help but feel defensive, right? And, and you guys are trying to pin his death on us. And the apostles are like, how can we not pin his death? You know, they're the quiet. You know, they're, you know you're, yeah, what does it say in the passage? Uh, you're, uh, that we're guilty of this man's blood. This is hilarious. He won't even say his name, Jesus. You know, it feels like Voldemort, right? He who shall not be named or something. Or, never mind. Uh, you know, but... You know, they won't even say his name, this man that they feel like was a criminal and a, and a dissenter and that needed to be eliminated, terminated. And, and they, anyway, it's hilarious. He won't even mention his name. But then in verse 29, we see that Peter gets his chance at another speech. Remember, church, we have said Luke uses the idea of speeches marvelously in the book of Acts. 
And so Peter has another opening. Now his audience is smaller. He's typically preaching to a lot of people in the temple courts and people that would gather because of a ruckus, because of a miracle. Oh, that's the ruckus or whatever's going on. You know, in this case, he's got the attention of these Jewish leaders. And he says, look, we must obey God rather than human beings. And I think Peter couldn't help but want to say, I told you last time, you guys are God's leaders. And we said, you guys decide. You tell us to quit preaching in Jesus' name. God tells us to do it. Who would you listen to? So this next time, Peter's like, we've got to obey God, not men. Just going to say it straight up. And then he can't resist getting his shots in. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm talking about this guy that you're, you know, uh, that you killed by hanging on a cross, and he's the God, uh, uh, he's the God, the guy that God, you know, God's guy. We said that before, and he's exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior. And, and in the speech, don't miss this. This has to be my blatant thing about Acts. Peter is still preaching the gospel, even in the middle of these Jewish leaders. Because what does he say? He says uh, that Jesus, he alludes, uh, he's referring to, might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. And he says, we're witnesses of these things. And what have we said in Acts? That the job, the mission, is to bear witness to Jesus. And so here Peter is still doing it again, even in the middle of these guys accusing him. And he talks about how the Holy Spirit is a part of the package now, and that is ridiculously amazing. Well, they hear all this, and these Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, remember, I'll just remind you, it's kind of a fun thing to think about. They stick the accused people in front of this big semicircle of about 70 guys that, that are accusing them. And so in the middle of this, Peter's let loose this speech that's not all that, you know, it is pretty scathing in some ways. And, and they're just, they're, they are stirring, and, and there's a word, won't come, uh, it's stewing in this, right? And they're just getting more and more upset to the point to where finally, uh, in verse 33, Luke says, you know, they were so mad, they wanted to put them to death. Now, keep something in mind here, church, just in your, as you're thinking about this. It's unclear if they really could have put them to death interestingly enough, but they were so mad uh, uh, because, do you remember, with Jesus, when the Jews wanted to put Jesus to death, who did they have to go to? They had to go to the Roman authorities and talk to Pilate. Say, look, we can't put anybody to death and we want this guy to die. We want to terminate him. So it's really kind of interesting that they were so mad that they're, you know, we want this guy to die. We're not, they really didn't probably have the authority to do that, but that's how upset they were. But then here comes the interesting part of this story today, of this narrative. Apparently a guy, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, if I were snarky and you were all third graders, I'd say, everybody say Gamaliel, don't do it. Uh, and uh, someday I'm going to do some of that with you just to be snarky, but today I'll spare you. Uh, Gamaliel, who was a respected Pharisee and part of the Sanhedrin, he stands up and says, hey, time out, time out. Um, this is a little unusual, but hey, guards, can you usher these guys out for a minute? I want to talk to my brothers here. So uh, the apostles are ushered out, and Gamaliel stands up, and he's like, hey, guys, um, we need to be really careful what we do here. Because you guys remember this guy named Thutis? Well, he thought he was somebody, and as I understand it, if they, by saying that, he, 
he might have been the kind of guy that also maybe claimed something about being maybe the Messiah or God's guy like Jesus did. But there was this guy named Thutis and he attracted some followers. But, um, uh, you know, yeah, like 400 guys, right? But he was killed and you know what? His followers, they dispersed and really nothing came of that. And do you remember Judas the Galilean? He appeared for a while and he led a band of rebels and revolters. He was killed and his followers were scattered. So you see, Gamaliel says, look, there's this precedent and pattern here. Guys are attracting followers all the time. And typically, when the leader dies, the followers start to fade away and nothing becomes of it. Now, in their mind, in Gamaliel and the Sanhedrin's mind, Jesus was that leader and he's dead now. So Gamaliel's like, look, don't take this too seriously because it's going to fade. And he says something like, you can see it up here, if it's not from God, it's going to fail. If it's just a human thing. But then he says this, but brothers, I'm going to throw that in, because I, I, I give Gamaliel, again, there's so many opinions about Gamaliel. I think he was probably inclined and he might actually be in heaven. I don't know, that's just my guess, because he was sure close, right? He says, look, if this, isn't from God, if this is from God, wow, we don't want to be on the wrong side of that, do we? Okay, that's a little stronger than he says it. But he says, we won't be able to stop it. We'll only find ourselves fighting against God. Now, super quick little tangent. For those groups that are discussing the sermon questions today, I threw in one about this Gamaliel's premise. If it's of human origin, it'll fail. If it's from God, it can't help but succeed kind of thing. I'd love to ha you to have a robust conversation about that to see if you think that's true. Because here's what we know. That seems good at first. You go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And we've seen people, even in our time, attract followers that are sketchy. And then when they die, fortunately, the movement dies. But what about Joseph Smith? What about even a guy like Confucius? Not really a religion as much as maybe a philosophy, 